Sound Words. Christian Magazine. Volumes 41 to 50. Republished by Irving Rich. Host of Down to Earth but Heavenly Minded Podcast. The Prophetic Word. William C. Reed. Part 4 of 4. The hope of the Christian is a heavenly one, and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ will bring us into the full realization of all that he has promised to his own. In writing to Titus, the Apostle Paul spoke of our, awaiting the blessed hope and appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour Jesus Christ, Titus chapter 2 verse 13. The rapture of the church to heaven will give us the full blessedness of eternal life, which we have in our spirits now, and which we shall then have in our bodies. For in Paul's writings eternal life is future, and looks to the time when our bodies will be changed into the likeness of Christ's body of glory. In his government, God will use the ten kings of the revived Roman Empire to overthrow the false church. After Christ has spewed the professing church out of his mouth, totally rejecting her who has so grossly misrepresented him, she will be taken up by the revived Roman Empire. And for a time she is carried by it, supported and sustained by this blasphemous political power which panders to her pride and vanity. If the false church is obnoxious to Christ, she becomes hateful to the kings of the Roman Empire, and they, shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh, and shall burn her with fire, Revelation chapter 17 verse 16. No doubt her arrogance will alienate them, and her opulence will excite their avarice, and they will spoil her, taking possession of her riches and treasures, and destroying her institutions. God's judgment on the false church will be violent and complete, and this religious system that has for so long persecuted the true saints of God and misrepresented Christ, shall be found no more at all, Revelation chapter 18 verse 21. It has had a great name among men for its music, arts and crafts, its cathedrals having been built and ornamented with the most costly materials and the choicest human skill. But the voice of harp singers and musicians, and no artificer of any art shall be found any more at all, in her. The industrial system of Christendom, symbolized in the voice of the millstone, its educational and philosophical systems portrayed in the light of the lamp, and its pleasures. Described in the supreme joy of the voice of the bridegroom and bride, all shall forever pass in the judgment of God, Revelation chapter 18 verses 22 to 23. Heaven celebrates the righteous judgment of God on the false church with a thrice-repeated, hallelujah, before the marriage of the Lamb is announced with joy and exultation. The true church was content to share Christ's outside place in this world, while the false church gratified her lusts, and corrupted her way in sins and blood, now that the false church is forever gone. The true church is found with Christ, united to him in heaven, to be for his pleasure eternally. Before Christ's kingdom can be introduced with righteousness and peace, there must be the setting aside of all evil. He will first deal with the false church, and all connected with it, then he will judge the revived Roman Empire with all its proud boastings and blasphemy. From chapter 13 of Revelation, we learn that the second beast, which is Antichrist, the false king in Jerusalem, exercises all the authority of the first beast before it, Revelation chapter 13 verse 12. He acts as prophet to the head of the Roman Empire. While by the power of Satan, it was given to it to give breath to the image of the beast. In the land, he shall do according to his will, he will not regard the God of his fathers. Nor the desire of women, Messiah, he will practice in the strongholds of fortresses, and shall divide the land for a reward, Daniel chapter 11 verses 36 to 39. He will stir up the opposition of both the king of the south and the king of the north. And this latter, shall come against him like a whirlwind, and he shall enter into the land of beauty, Daniel chapter 11 verses 40 to 41. 
while engaged in this campaign, which secures him victory over Egypt, and the support of the Libyans and Ethiopians, the king of the north receives tidings out of the east and out of the north, which trouble him. We are not told what this trouble is, but his return is with great fury to exterminate, and utterly to destroy many. It may be that he hears of the armies of the Roman Empire gathering at Armageddon, or of the coming of the Lord to help his people. As the Antichrist has the support of the Roman Empire, it is quite possible that its armies are marshaled for his help. But whether this is so or not, it is just about this time that the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered to make war, with the Lord Jesus. And are gathered together at Armageddon, Revelation chapter 19 verse 19, Revelation chapter 16 verses 12 to 16. Then falls the first stroke of the Lord's judgment on the armies of this world, which consigns the beast and the false prophet alive to the lake of fire, and destroys their armies. While these events are progressing, the persecuted remnant of Israel who have escaped martyrdom will have fled to the mountains, awaiting the coming of the Lord. False Christs will attempt to allure the elect, but they will be fortified by the warnings of the Lord. It is during the time they are living in the mountains that the Great Tribulation falls upon the land, and the judgments of the vials of Revelation chapter 15, 16 are poured out. To understand these events aright it is essential to know that the Lord Jesus will reign for a short time as David, the warrior king, before he reigns as Solomon, the man of peace. This is indicated in Psalm chapter 45, whereas David, he girds his sword upon his thigh, and his right hand teaches terrible things. His sword and his arrows are sharp in the hearts of his enemies, and the peoples fall under him. If the first stroke of his sword falls on the armies of the western powers and those who will be gathered with them at Armageddon, the final stroke will fall upon Gog, the prince of Rosh. After his work of judgment is completed, the Lord's reign over this world will begin, Israel will be blessed on the ground of the new covenant. And Jerusalem as his queen will be resplendent with glory as the earthly metropolis. From 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 8 we learn that Antichrist will be consumed, with the breath of his mouth, and annulled by the appearing of Christ's coming. The reign of the false king in Jerusalem will be a time of great persecution for the saints, and many will suffer martyrdom for refusing the mark of the beast. But they will live and reign with Christ in heavenly glory for the thousand years of the millennium, Revelation chapter 20 verse 4. There is not only mention of the western, eastern and northern powers, but also of the people round about Jerusalem. Of these we read in Zechariah chapter 12 verse 2, Behold I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about. When they shall be in the siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. Some of the details of the siege are given in Zechariah chapter 14. This term, round about Jerusalem may include the armies that have come from afar, either to oppose or assist the Antichrist, but may have also in mind the nations around that are the inveterate foes of Israel. God will also make Jerusalem, a burdensome stone for all peoples, all that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces. Greece, which was evidently not among the kings of the revived Roman Empire, is one of the nations that will be overthrown by Israel, Zechariah chapter 9 verses 13 to 14. Other nations subdued by Israel are spoken of in Isaiah chapter 11 verse 14, though this will be after the regathering of Israel. Jerusalem will fall after the siege, and the inhabitants pass through terrible times. But the Lord will then personally intervene, his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, and he shall make a way for his people to flee, cleaving the mountain in the midst. After the destruction of the nations that have come against Jerusalem, God will pour the spirit of grace and of supplications upon the house of David, and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem.
they will then realize that the one who has saved them out of the hands of their enemies is none other than their Messiah, whom they crucified. Then shall come the great morning in true repentance before him. Zechariah chapter 13 deals with the cleansing that will purify the people and purge the land of its idolatry. Only one-third of the inhabitants of the land will be left for the time of blessing, the remainder, shall be cut off and die, no doubt in the conflicts, siege and judgments. Few will doubt that Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39 give the last great invasion before the millennium. The leader of this final assault is Gog, from the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshech and Tubal. Without a doubt this great host is led by the leader of the Russians, whose chief cities are Moscow and Tobolsk. From the east, he has Persia as his ally, and from the south, Ethiopia and Libya. Besides, there is Gomer and all his bands, Togoma and all his bands from the north, and many people. Gomer's descendants spread westwards and northwards from the Black Sea, and would probably include the nations to the west of Russia who were not among the kings of the Western Empire. From Ezekiel chapter 38 verse 8 we learn that this invasion is, in the latter years, and that they shall come, into a land brought back from the sword gathered out of many people, and they shall dwell safely all of them. This is evidently after the beast and his armies have been destroyed. And it may be also after other conflicts have taken place. At any rate, it is after the first of the regatherings of the nation, and when they are settled down in safety that the invader comes. This is emphasized in Ezekiel chapter 38 verse 11, where Gog says, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages, I will go to them that are at rest, that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls, and having neither bars nor gates. There is not a sign of the expectation of conflict, and not a vestige of preparation for defense. All this indicates that some time has elapsed since the invasions of the kings of the south and north, and the overthrow of the forces of the west at Armageddon. Sheba, Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish would be ready to profit by the wickedness of Gog, either to do business with the spoiler or to plunder in his wake. They had not the power to rob Israel, and it may be the dread of the Lord's doings had kept them from joining the invaders, but they were ready to profit from any circumstances that might prove favorable. Verse 17 might indicate that although the Assyrian was already dealt with, that this great northern power who had been behind him in his assaults on the land, would be marked by the same spirit so that the scripture that prophesied of the Assyrian, in its scope, included Gog. God says, Art thou he of whom I have spoken in old time by my servants the prophets of Israel, which prophesied in those days many years that I would bring thee against them. Isaiah has many prophecies of the Assyrian, in chapter 10 he is the rod of God's anger against his people Israel, and God says, when the Lord has performed his whole work upon Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, I will punish the fruit of the stout heart of the king of Assyria, and the glory of his high looks. Isaiah chapter 10 verse 12. In Isaiah chapter 10 verse 26, the victory of Gideon over Midian at the rock of Oreb is shown to foreshadow the final victory over the Assyrian. Even as the victory of Barak over Sisera at Megiddo is used to typify the final slaughter of the armies that will assemble in the last days at Armageddon. The passage of the Assyrian, from Ayath, in the north of the land until he is outside the city of Jerusalem, is given in the same chapter, Isaiah chapter 10 verses 28 to 32. No doubt there was a partial fulfillment when Sennacherib's army came, there may be another fulfillment when the king of the north comes against the false king in Jerusalem, as foretold in Daniel chapter 11 verses 40 to 41 and the advance of the armies of Gog may give the final and complete fulfillment, although there is no indication that his armies get near the holy city. They fall upon the mountains.
God's presence will be felt in that day, for, there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel, with terrible upheavals. Many shall perish on the mountains of Israel, some shall be slain with the swords of their allies, some by the pestilence, some by rain, hailstones, fire and brimstone, from heaven. The ravenous birds and wild beasts will be called to the feast, and the people of the land will take seven months to bury the dead, and seven years to burn the implements of war. The lands from which the armies have come will not escape, for God, will send a fire on Magog, and among them that dwell carelessly in the isles. The inhabitants of the isles have no doubt been in a neutral position in all the final conflicts. But in their sheltered lands they have not sought the will of God, but have lived for themselves in ease and comfort. They too must receive their judgment from the hand of God. Having dealt with the warring nations of the world, the Lord Jesus will doubtless then, sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another. As a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats, Matthew chapter 25 verses 31 to 46. After this sessional judgment, his reign as the true Solomon will begin, and then shall be fulfilled many of the Old Testament prophecies concerning the time of peace and prosperity that awaits this troubled earth. For a thousand years men will enjoy peace. No man or nation will be able to rise in rebellion against the Lord, or to trouble his fellows with war, for, he shall judge among the nations, neither shall they learn war any more, Isaiah chapter 2 verse 4. Those who have been spared in the conflicts from among the nations, shall even go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles, Zechariah chapter 14 verse 16. Those nations which do not come to the feast will be deprived of rain, and if Egypt, which is independent of rain, drawing its water from the Nile, does not come up, they shall receive the plague, Zechariah chapter 14 verses 17 to 19. The Lord will rule with a rod of iron, it will secure peace and blessing to the obedient, but the rebellious will be accursed, Isaiah chapter 65 verses 17 to 25. During the thousand years of millennial blessing, Satan will be bound in the bottomless pit, but at the end he is loosed for a short season. The presence of the devil will demonstrate that the heart of man is unchanged, for under his influence men gather together to endeavor to destroy the saints on earth. All human theories about better environment altering man will be proved false. In Eden, in the best possible circumstances and conditions, man failed, so it will be under the favored conditions of the millennium. The great hosts at the end, deceived by Satan, partake of the same character as Gog and his hosts that were destroyed at the beginning of Christ's reign, and their judgment will be instant and without mercy. Man has been fully tested, in innocency in Eden, under government from Noah, under law in Israel, under grace in Christ, and finally, under conditions of peace for which he has long asked. In every test, man in the flesh has failed. Satan, the God and Prince of this world, is then confined forever in the lake of fire, the earth and the heavens pass away, the dead, small and great stand before God, and are judged from the books by the Lord Jesus, to whom all judgment has been committed. The righteous have had their part in the resurrection of the just, at the rapture, now it is the resurrection of the unjust, and their portion forever in the lake of fire. At the beginning of Revelation chapter 21, God has given us a preview of the eternal scene. In the new heaven the saints will dwell forever, those who have been with Christ in heaven during the thousand years. On the new earth, God will dwell with men, those who did not come under the influence of Satan with Gog and Magog. This is what was in God's heart and mind before the ages of time, it is the meeting place of his ways and counsels, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes.
and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. How wonderful it is that we have such a revelation from God. The full revelation of himself in the person of the Son, the revelation of his eternal purpose and counsels of grace through the Holy Spirit, come down from heaven, and the prophetic word, unfolding his ways on earth, even to the end.